Hey, hey, it is the Kill Your Gods podcast. I am Jesse Dram, and uh, fuck it, we're not doing an intro this week. This will be the intro. Yeah, we're wrapping up Sorcerer's Stone. In the meantime, follow me at Jesse Dram on all the things. We'll be back next week with guest Rob Cruz to discuss the movie of the Philosophers slash Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, come out this Friday and check out my show at the Flying Fish Brewery in Somerdale, New Jersey. We're recording today in the new studios. I am wearing the only light t-shirt I own, and we have a very nice guest with us. He's a big fan of Harry Potter and an overall funny guy, comedian Dan Clark. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on to talk about the dorkiest part of my life and arguably the worst three chapters of this book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sto- story-wise, it wraps up plenty, but uh, yeah, I, know, I, I, I was I was so dedicated to like let's just make this a month because I don't I don't want to work harder on it than I have to, and then it turns out yeah. like oh, it's a three hundred page children's book. Maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be four or five different episodes. Yeah, well, the last thing you were doing was the Bible, where there's like ten million interpretive texts about each word written in the Bible. <laughs> Yeah. So then exactly. you go from that to like Harry Potter, where it's just like, oh, we're well, British. Friendship is important. Yeah. I've said this a few times. Uh, I feel like having grown up without Harry Potter, I constantly have to catch myself while reading and going like, oh, I'm reading all of this in an American accent. And that doesn't. Oh, yeah. That doesn't really make sense in the in the Scottish castle of Hogwarts. And I'm sure my Philly accented brain like it. <laughs> Harry, don't go in the forest. Yeah. Yo, Hagrid. Hagrid, stop being a fucking dickhead, dude. Like, come on, man. Just let me in the goddamn woods. Go to Hagrid's home. Get some wah-wah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, so uh, describe to me your, uh, I mean, I the people I've had on here, by the way, I mentioned that uh, I keep having on comedians that I know, and this is the only time I've seen any of them in the morning. Yeah, ever. that's fair. Yeah. Pod night out but it'd be uh, weird if you saw more of them in the morning true yeah <laughs> I, would, I, I would have to be waking up next to them yeah and the only one i ever woke up next to was jeff roser and that's because we were roommates but talking yeah oh, yeah roommates yeah. yeah my bad yeah roommates and lovers as yeah. all <laughs> yeah loving me is on the lease baby um <laughs> But yeah, you had uh, not. Well, let's just get into it. Well, what was the start of your fandom, and then we'll get into the big thing. That you know, I don't. Do. I kind of think it was forced on me because I think like my mom was just like, "This will be a fun kids' book to read mm-hmm. to my two young sons," and then uh, then I was just like, "Oh no, I really like this for like a period." I'm trying to think. I think I was like. I might be, I'm probably going to be very wrong about when these books came out, but I think I was like eight or nine when the first one came out, mm-hmm. when the Sorcerer's Stone came out. And then I was definitely like 16 when the last one came out. And I definitely read the last one in a single day because I very, I have a very clear memory of just no one picking up their phone that day when I called them. It was like during the summer and no one picked up their phones i was like all right i guess i'll just keep fucking reading so i read the last one in like 10 hours so this is something i'm actually not aware of with the publication industry um history did a new one come out every year i want to say it was like every at probably at most it was like every two years Hmm. i feel like that yeah i also don't totally recall but i think it might have been i think that might have been like the longest delay in between it wasn't like she was doing the george r R. martin thing where she was just like i'm gonna die before you figure out what happens yeah that's you know what's i actually read a thing with george r R. martin where he was like people keep saying i'm gonna die before the books come out i find that very offensive it's like dude you're like 70 and you clearly do not diet or walk yeah yeah he's a he's a larger fellow Yeah. yeah all right so i'm looking here uh so all right, 97 was Sorcerer's Stone, 98, okay. like a little bit more than a year to that. Yeah, it, she consist, consistently came out uh, in July of every year until, uh, okay, there was two years between, wait, there was three years between Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. Okay. 
then two years between that and Half-Blood Prince, then two years to uh, Deathly Hollows. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah, because I had, I Deathly, did that come out in 2016, Deadly Hollows? No, not, I'm sorry, 2006. Uh, Deathly Hollows was 2007, and then before okay. that, Half-Blood Prince was 2005. Okay, because I was definitely like taking a driving lesson <laughs> and then went with my mom to get the last one. Nice. So you had you had the intended experience then. You very much grew up with these books. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was also the dork that was like, I don't know if the movies are as good. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's everything though. I, as I, actually, I have a story with that. One of my favorite books of the last... 20 years is called uh, Horns, which is written by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. Oh, and what a what a thing to live up to. Be yeah. Stephen King's son. That sucks. He's pretty good, honestly. But uh, I'd become it, a lawyer if I were him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Daniel, Daniel King, attorney at law. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the movie version of that actually starred Daniel Radcliffe. And uh man, there was I, I feel like in supernatural stories, like it, it depends a lot how you show things on the screen. And yeah. I feel like, oh, they totally fucked this up. Just like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Everybody go watch Horns. That's fair. Uh, I'll check that out. But you, I'm an enormous pussy. But <laughs> no, no, it, it's not like a horror movie. It's it's very oh, okay. much a, a supernatural, but pretty much. A, so there's a guy who's. Uh, him and his girlfriend getting a, a big public spat one night. He yeah. wakes up drunk and angry the next day to find out she's been murdered. And he's like the number one suspect in town, but they can't quite prove it. Uh, uh, a year later, on the anniversary of her death, he wakes up and he has horns growing out of his head. And, oh, I, you know, I do remember this now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like when, when people see it, they like reveal their deepest, most desires. And like, there's only so many ways you could have shown that on film and they picked the wrong one. I feel. Gotcha. Okay. So we're saying, <laughs> but did I understand you won a contest related to Harry Potter? Yeah, I won. Uh, I forget what radio station it was technically my mom, but you had to like answer Harry Potter trivia mm-hmm. and, uh, I just fed her all the answers and then we won a family trip to London that is fucking crazy. I, I wish yeah. you remembered the radio station. But I want to say it was B101, but I'm also only saying that because that's the only Philadelphia radio station I can recall my parents like being into. It's, it, it was just it, like it a was, soft rock. Yeah. You know, adult contemporary. They adult. Had. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's <laughs> the, I always, I always, that's my favorite genre because I don't quite understand what it means but <laughs> well i just love that they had delilah every saturday night which was just like a nationally oh, yeah. syndicated show of like really sad people calling in requesting mm-hmm. songs for lovers that are most certainly not listening to the radio right now yeah yeah but that's awesome what was that trip like was there anything harry potter themed to it oh was it was like-, like mostly harry potter themed yeah like we took like a bus tour to like a castle well like so well, actually, what for, first off what year was this this was this had to be 2001 2002 because it was the year i was going into sixth grade i think yeah i was going into sixth grade so whatever yeah i think it was 2001 2002 um and then yeah we just took like a uh we took a bus trip to some castle where they had like harry potter themed events and then i think there was something they did like um I might be wrong. I might just be, this might be my dumb memory making shit up, but they, I think they did like a grand feast kind of thing. Like the, mm. you know, like the Hogwarts thing. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, I think we just like dicked around and found our own shit to do. That's so, that's so a really cool prize to win. I mean, especially yeah. at like 12 years old. Yeah. All because I knew how tall Hagrid was or whatever. <laughs> Wait, how tall is Hagrid? Is he like, is it one of those like European methods of measurement where it's like the king's hand and he's like oh, eleven I've, of them? 
I felt like it was, I feel like it was, he was described as feet. I don't think it was like they gave like an exact height mm. for him. Okay. Uh, but no, yeah, I think in Harry Potter, when they do describe height, they say feet. They're not like dorks and go meters or they don't go, you weigh five stone, which is the stupidest fuck. British people, rereading this made me realize my distaste for British people. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. I mean, come on. Yeah. They, still have, they, they still have kings and queens and they expect us to give a shit about them. Yeah, I mean that's also you know five hundred years of Irish ancestry <laughs> flowing through. I'm, I'm reading yeah. this and I'm like the colonizers, the goddamn colonizers. I came all the way to the New World and the fucking <laughs> Prince Harry <laughs> followed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, I love the conspiracy theory that uh, is not much of a conspiracy theory actually that Prince Harry is like not actually Prince Charles' son. Oh, like, I never heard that. So supposedly he is uh, the actual son of Princess Di's former lover, and like if you see a photo of the guy, it's like, oh yeah, obviously. Mm, is that guy still alive, or did he also get whacked by the by the? I, I'm full in on that uh, on that conspiracy that it Ooh. wasn't an accident. <laughs> God, that would be funny if like 30 years from now somebody tries to like Da Vinci Code Harry Potter, and it's like no. Princess Diana was murdered by the royals. All the hints are there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is why why J.K. Rowling became transphobic. It was a coded language against Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know what? I know this doesn't apply to you much as a a cis man, but I keep hearing people just saying how much J.K. Rowling becoming transphobic ruined the books for them. How does that, does that affect you in any way, shape, or form? No, because I wasn't. Well, one, because I'm, I'm, as you say, a cis upstanding man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> You're an upstanding cis I'm an upstanding cis. Um, no, but also, like, I wasn't actively reading them when all that shit came. Like, by the time she got a Twitter, I'd basically forgotten about Harry Potter, except for when the movies would replay on some cable channel. Hmm. Yeah, so, like, it wasn't, I don't know. I don't, and, like, it, I don't look back on my childhood and go mm, how could a nine-year-old me stand for this it's like i didn't fucking know what any of this stuff was then so. that that's one of the things that I, I i tried having this conversation last week but i did give the caveat of like also i'm a straight cis dude so i guess that that is my superpower shit doesn't affect me yeah but like yeah. i cannot imagine be like when my hero when i find out my heroes are pieces of shit i actually kind of like it like i i love kurt vonnegut and a mm. few years ago, an unauthorized biography, because he was very, like, whimsical, like, you know, be kind to each other, children, and, you know, uh, we become yeah. what we become what we pretend to be, so we must be careful what we pretend to be. And yeah. then a biography came out, it's like, actually, he was a really miserable old man who, like, never got over his jealousy of his brother and, yeah, like, was no a real shit. shithead to his wife. And a lot he was of people... an author, like of course he was. Exactly. Do you have any idea of what a grumpy piece of shit you are if you spend like eight hours a day in a room looking at a screen because like you yeah. can't, you can't make made up people connect the way they're supposed to? You're gonna yeah. take that out on everyone near you. Yeah, absolutely. I write jokes for a living. Every time I leave the room, I kick one of my cats. Like, yeah, as you should, as as is your right as an open mic comedian to kick an animal of... when you leave the room. It's part of the process. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I like hearing that these people are pieces of shit because it's like, yeah, it's, I never had any. I don't understand what world you have to be in where you can be upset of like, I enjoy something written by a problematic person and I don't know how to feel about that. Like, I, if you've listened to hip hop, like, you probably like somebody who's done some very violent things. Yeah. If you consume art just in general, you definitely are into someone who's probably a dog shit human, mm-hmm. at least to waiters, you know? <laughs> oh, if nothing else, I mean, oh God, to even think back, it is funny though, what you'll defend as a little kid. I remember being like a, a teenager and when people were like, you know, Eminem is homophobic and you're like 14, like, no, he's not. And then like, you're in your thirties and like, yeah. Ooh, stab you in the head whether you're a fag or les like kind of hard to spin that uh well i was re-listening dmx is one of my favorite rappers of all time r.i.p the dog but he uh i was listening to him a couple of months for the first time when i was running 
or for the first time again. And I was just like, Oh, I gotta, I feel bad listening to this. It's a <laughs> lot of homophobia. It's like really, he digs it. If you thought Eminem was bad, DMX was just like, Nope, I do not like them. It wasn't even like a shock value thing. He was just like, this is, mm-hmm. this is not the way life is supposed to be lived. And I was like, damn X, I can't have this. I can't have this while I'm running. <laughs> like he's so serious about it. He just stops rhyming. You, and you feel it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just gives like a dead talk <laughs> on the natural order of things. <laughs> Dude, I, I was actually shocked. I was watching YouTube the other day and you know how sometimes some like real schmucks will uh, pay for their music video to be an advertisement on YouTube. Oh yeah. I hate that so much. There was a rap song that came on. I was, honestly astonished that they, they put this up as a commercial because the it was just a very like right-wing MAGA like black guy rapper okay and it was straight up like you know being gay isn't how you should live your life and trans is made up and shit and yeah damn it's like wow this guy paid for this yeah <laughs> you know it's like my uh, my bachelor party me and a uh, fellow comic Neil Wood go check out cult of us podcast uh, me and him went to Atlantic City for my bachelor party, and we went to a strip club. This was the same weekend that DMX died, oh. which I feel like going to a strip club is like going back to the mother, going back to his favorite place to celebrate him because it was nothing but like mourning black guys and wiggers just like yeah. rocking out to DMX, like crying, making it rain on some poor track mark stripper. Man, that. You know, that's how he would have wanted it. That's what he would have wanted. Yes. Not that it was a personal friend of DMX, but I can only assume that that's exactly what he did when some of his friends died. Yes. I I can only assume it was in his will. Yeah. I'm sure he had it on an album somewhere. All right. Uh, So let's wrap up the summary of the Sorcerer's Stone. And pretty much anything you had to say at any point, just uh, interrupt me we're doing chapter 50 oh actually real quick uh tell us anything you have to promote social media anything you got coming up all right well i don't have uh i don't have a podcast anymore but if you want to listen to old episodes of my voice sucks go check that out because they're still up i haven't taken them down or anything they'll live on forever um all the only show i have i don't know how many of your of your fans live in austin texas but i'll be in austin texas doing shows for the altercation comedy festival in uh what is it october 27th to the 31st i'll be dicking around down down texas way um and then i don't know if you're in philly and you want to come to an open mic come to the 700 every wednesday that's always a fun time except for last wednesday the room was kind of dead (laughs) i had a i had a very good time there on wednesday all right well i'm glad you did (laughs) (laughs) um okay so chapter 15 the forbidden forest uh, Filch takes Harry, Hermione, and Ron to Professor McGonagall's office to be punished. She accuses them uh, yeah. of concocting the whole dragon story to lure Malfoy out of bed and get him into trouble. Yeah. As punishment, McGonagall deducts 50 points from Gryffindor for each of the three wrongdoers. Harry is horrified that his house will lose 50, 150 points. When yeah. the bad news is circulated the next morning, Harry quickly falls from his pedestal as Quidditch star. He considers resigning from the team, but Wood convinces him that doing so would be useless. So this is one of the only questions I have. Uh, do you have a similar story? Was there a time you like ruined something for a group of people? I don't think so. No, I was like a okay kid. I wasn't like a shithead who got like detentions or anything or like fucked around that in such a way that like it impacted other people. So I really it, don't think so. It wasn't me personally, but I remember a friend of mine on a, uh, we were on a field trip to Wildwood and they just like ran away from the group and it was what bad. What weird at- school did you go to? They were like, let's take these kids to what the worst part of New Jersey. I think it was like a whale watching thing. We, it, this was in like this- fucking wa- whales are in Wildwood? They're somewhere near there. It's on the ocean. <laughs> the, right. ocean the ocean is where whales live, I guess. The important sure. thing is we did not make it to the whales because one of the kids ran off. And they found him an hour later after we dropped everything we were supposed to be doing to go find this kid. And then literally it was like, okay, field trip canceled. We're going back. Damn. Yeah. So fuck that guy. I had friends who uh, I think this is the closest thing where they, uh, they just never cleaned up their shit at lunch. Hmm. So they gave our whole table lunch attention for a week and during that time, one of my friends in high school was truly constipated. So he just kept like, 
the whole time he just kept going i can't poop to the teacher and the teacher was like i don't know what to do with this kid (laughs) (laughs) but it was true i think my friend ended up having to like go to the doc i don't know what but like the whole time he just kept saying i can't poop for like a week in the science class where they had lunch detention how how old was he that this was the only thing he would say uh this was in high school so uh, okay so it wasn't like he was simple this was just consuming his entire body and it mind. was yeah i mean listen if you haven't pooped for a week and you feel like you have to <laughs> what else yeah. you can think about they, uh, they just had me on steroids for two weeks for um poison ivy rash and uh yeah constipation is a factor there so Oof, very awesome. miserable very miserable when you're already you already feel like you're boiling from the inside and now you can't get the bad stuff out yeah yeah for sure uh, Harry resolves not to get involved in any more suspicious activities, but a week later, he overhears a conversation in which Quirrell appears to give in to someone, presumably Snape, as if Snape mm. is pressing him to do something. Yeah. Harry and his friends try to figure out what to do, but they cannot come up with a plan of action. Harry, Hermione, and Neville are told to report to Hagrid that night for their detention. When they show up, they're surprised to find that detention will be held in the surrounding Forbidden Forest, the Wildwood of Hogwarts, no doubt. Yeah. Um, plenty of centaurs running around down the shore. Yeah, centaurs are fucking annoying. Centaur, I forgot, because I hadn't read this in God knows how long, but the centaurs are pieces of shit animals. I can't get a read on them. What's the, what's, uh, you know, we'll wait till they actually show up. Um sure. When they show up, they're surprised to find that attention will be... Uh, Malfoy, who has also been given attention, objects to being forced outside like a servant. Hagrid points to traces of the unicorn blood on the ground and explains that they will be going to find out who's been harming the animals. They split up into two groups, Harry and Hermione with Hagrid, Neville and Malfoy with Hagrid's dog, Fang. They, pe- they penetrate deep into the forest, deep and wet. Harry sees signs that the other group is in trouble, but Hagrid discovers that Malfoy is merely playing tricks on Neville. I know we're supposed to, but kind of like fuck Malfoy. Like even in the middle of like the dangerous, I mean, it's a jungle forest. He's just like yeah. fucking with Neville because he has nothing better to do. Yeah, he's a dog shit human. But I mean, we all knew that. I know. I hate. I hate. It sucks when you almost feel manipulated by you know reacting to literature the way you're supposed to. It's like oh, yeah. I fucking hate that guy. Well, what annoys me, well, one, it annoys me when adults, you know, people roughly our age and maybe like five to six years younger are like, I am a Hufflepuff or I'm a, like that annoys me on a surface level. But then when people are like, actually, I'm a Slytherin. I'm like, you, you pick the, you have choices in this and you pick to be the shittiest of these people. That bothers me. While we're asking then, what, what house are you? I don't know, Jesse. I'm a fucking adult. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one and only right answer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. (laughs) When you were a little kid, though, did you have an affinity where it's? I I feel it's either like you want to be the bad boy in Slytherin, or like you know you want to be. I I want to be in the same thing as Harry Potter. I I probably yeah. There was a very good chance I said Gryffindor. I don't remember though. I don't think I like. I don't think I wrote down anywhere that like this is why I'm a Gryffindor because I view myself as loyal and they're loyal <laughs> and they're brave and Harry's brave and brave people get all the girls and like I don't think I did that. That's right. You, you know how there's only four personality traits of all. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Got at least with astrology, they have like twelve different ones. Yeah, which is its own annoying thing. But it's it's literally what's your frat? Like I'm I'm lambda lambda lambda. I want to be with the nerds. Yeah. Um, Although, oh God, it's funny to look at, again, so that kind of thing is stupid, but even the opposition to it is stupid. Like, I remember a very angsty 19-year-old me got invited to my cousin's uh, college party, and while they went to Temple, and while I was there, I was talking to a girl, and she was like, yeah, Sarah, you in a frat? And I said, like, no, I can make friends on my own, which is Mm. just as... dumber i would say yeah yeah it's it's annoying to be too extreme on either end yeah so i knew people that were in frats that were like i don't know just like to get fucked up with people that thought like me i was like all right that's that's fair but then i also knew people that were like well actually it's like a deep brotherhood and you know we just really understand each other i mean no you don't like (laughs) yeah you you guys you guys did some I, i feel like that stuff is really like it's funny when you look at that, like the history of war and like fraternal societies and like they're all bonded together in like they made us do gay shit with each other on day one. And now we're kind of yeah. like 
stuck with that humiliation. Yeah. It, you either need to like bleed or come together to be brothers for life. Yeah. Yeah, it's very uh that's that's all I got is yeah <laughs> for that. <laughs> Sorry. Um ah, um so where are they, these dumbass centaurs come up where they're like the mercury's yeah. in something venus uh, or they say venus right they go right. venus a lot they're okay ha- haggard sends harry off with malfoy taking neville along with himself harry and malfoy come across a mysterious cloaked figure drinking the blood of a recently killed unicorn mm, yeah Wait, did they have to put like every fucking magic thing that ever existed? Like, there's dragons and unicorns and centaurs. Like, where's a where's a Honestly, Probably. My thought would be that when she was writing this, she was like, "Well, I mean, I don't know the logistics. If she had like uh, whoever published it, if she had like a you know several book deal, but she was probably like, let me just fit all this shit in the same thing. <laughs> so like, because I might not be able to get another one of these to spread it out more. True. But... Yeah, she wanted to, wanted to see the ground with everything they got. Yeah. And then she um, was like, and then we'll get rich and famous, and then I'll fight the trans people. <laughs> fight the real enemy. Yeah. Uh, Malfoy, Malfoy and Fang Voldemort was trans. Yes. Um, Malfoy and Fang run away, leaving Harry alone. A centaur named Ferenz rescues Harry and carries him uh, back to Hagrid. On his way back, Harry learns that the cloaked figure was Voldemort and that he was drinking unicorn blood to sustain himself until he could obtain the Sorcerer's Stone. All right, let's talk about these dickhead centaurs. Yeah. So what they're kind of into astrology. I don't in in a later book, aren't they like rapists or something? Doesn't something happen with that umbrage lady? Oh, I think she just gets like the shit kicked out of her by them. I mean, you could probably read into that that they like I don't sexually know. assaulted her, but <laughs> I, I read something that they like raped that lady. Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. There's probably yeah, I'm sure I don't know if that's uh I don't know if that's explicit in the books. I don't remember a whole lot from the books, but uh, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'd remember an explicit rape in a Harry Potter book. Um, yeah, I could have sworn that there's like a line somewhere where like the centaurs are very attracted to something, and then they just throw this bitch out in the woods, and they're just like, "Okay, let's mount her." Physically. Oh, I thought they just like stomped on her because I thought she did something that like pissed them off. Okay, so from our friends at Cracked.com, which has not been good in seven years, uh, sure. Dolores, Dolores Umbridge gets gang-raped by centaurs. Uh, Damn. All right, unless you can't... Near the climax of the book of the film, Umbridge is hauled screaming into the Forbidden Forest by a group of centaurs. No one knows what happens next. What you have to realize is there's a reason Rowling made sure it was centaurs... Um, in one legend that is canon, centaurs were invited to a wedding feast and attempted to rape the bride. In another, the famous centaur Nessus was killed while trying to rape a woman. Um, so wait, in, in Harry Potter world, this, I think, I think that might just be better, not better, grander centaur lore. Oh, okay. So you kind of have to be a dork and know a lot about centaurs to come up with that theory true and okay they they put this this is actually from the book about uh afterward here is rowling's depiction of her in the aftermath professor umbridge was lying in a bed opposite them gazing up at the ceiling since she had returned to the castle she had not as far as any of them knew uttered a single word nobody really knew what was wrong with her either her usually neat mousy hair was very untidy and there were still Mm. bits of twigs and leaves in it but otherwise she seemed to be quite unscathed Mm. Yeah, uh, well, that's, this, all right. That seems uh, right. Yeah. Sounds a little bit, you know. No, I just assumed they stomped on her, but um, they they did in one way or another. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, but, so yeah, these centaur dorks that are really into Venus. Yeah. So what is it? They're like they like read the sky from it, and they like talk in vagueness. Yeah, I think they like they read the sky. I'm scrolling through it on my phone now. They read the sky, and then they're like, I guess they can like figure out what's going to happen in the future and then uh but they're not allowed to tell humans they're they're just supposed to be vague oh god so yeah so they have all the information in the world and then they do not share it yeah with yeah. anyone which yeah. by the way i <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking shit on centaurs meanwhile my wife has her uh witchy lunar planner oh yeah i mean here. 
Yeah, but I'm sure if your wife found out something through that, she'd be like, hey, maybe we should not do this because it'll cause us grave danger. Whereas the exactly. centaur, like, I don't know, just figure Venus out, man. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, it would be really shitty if my witchy wife was like, Saturn is waning upon the rings of Titan and there is foreboding in the midst. And what she really want to say is like, uh, you should have your prostate checked. You have cancer. Yeah. All right. Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. The year-end examinations go off without a hitch, although Harry feels that Voldemort will burst through the door at any second. Mm. While, By the way, were you ever, because you were a little kid when you got into it, were you ever one of those kids that played along and called him he who would not be named, like wouldn't say his name? So. I don't think so, but I also, uh, I none of, I had like one friend that was also into Harry Potter. A lot of my friends really didn't get into it. Um, None so of my like, uh, none of my friends ever read. Yeah, yeah, well, that, yeah. Same thing here. I was like the dork that read in my group of friends. Um, yeah, I, I get so very yeah. I get very close to dyslexics. <laughs> That's fair. They're fun. They're fun people. I get it. Um, no, I don't think I ever. I don't think I was ever like, oh, I can't say his name because that'll bring it to life. Ooh, yeah, I don't think I ever did that. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong, um, but I don't think. I am. Uh, while Harry is a guest at Hagrid's, Harry learns that while drunk and playing cards, I do like that they make Hagrid a little bit of a lush. That feels about yeah. right. Yeah, that made me, I, I did like that too, actually. <laughs> I forgot about that until I read that. that he I mean, just he, blitz it. He was like, I'm Dragon Edge. Cool. You got one? I'll take it. <laughs> if you want to play my dog a flute, you can fuck it or just walk <laughs> past it. Whatever. It'll be asleep. <laughs> I mean, even though with his massive proportions, it is a little bit like it makes me think of like the legendary drinking stories of Andre the Giant. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Although he, he's also magical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I destroyed Hulk Hogan and I, I took his dragon egg. Yeah. And, yeah. And then I drank 15 bottles of vodka and my, yeah. my spine hurts. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not an impressionist. Is that people yeah. Andre, <laughs> I don't know. I've heard like three interviews with Andre the Giant and that's just how he sounds in my head. <laughs> it is also hilarious when you look back, like they build him as like seven foot four and Hulk Hogan is six foot three. And then you see them in yeah. the ring against each other and they're like a three inch difference. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I am, I am particularly, if we're to talk about magic, I am particularly wrapped up in uh, the magic of pro wrestling again at the moment. Mm, yeah the AEW stuff school i was watching that last night yeah uh, cm punk returned the prodigal son i'm not even a big wrestling guy i was just with people because every comedian in philadelphia loves wrestling for some reason so i was like all right i should (laughs) i feel like we all get into it and out of it for me this is big because cm punk was the one who got me back into it in 2009 i pretty much Uh, okay i i took a break from wrestling when i you know could it be having sex and playing in bands instead? Yeah, sure. But then when those days were over, you know, wrestling, why not? Yeah. But yeah, it was really cool to uh, to see all that. I had another point and I lost it entirely. Let's get back to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hagrid revealed to Voldemort that anyone can get past the three-headed guard dog, Fluffy, by playing music to him. Voldemort mm-hmm. was in disguise. We're not sure how yet, but we'll find out. Harry and his friends rush to find Dumbledore to tell him the news, but they run into McGonagall, who informs them that Dumbledore has been called off to London by the Ministry of Magic. I will say one thing about reading this book for the first time. We actually spend very little time with Dumbledore. Yeah. um, Yeah, so I only read these last three chapters because you told me to. I didn't read the whole book. I, I, I can I, I can refresh your memory. We see him at the very. He's one of the first people we meet as he's coming yeah. down the lane to drop Harry off with the Dursleys. Yeah. And then other than that, like we get a letter from him, and I think he shows up at like the initial sorting ceremony. But he, a, a lot of this book is Harry. Like, oh, I can't wait to meet Dumbledore, and Dumbledore is just like not. Yeah. He's got. I mean, I'm sure he has wizard things to you know attest to. But then yeah. also, he's running a massive school, so I'm sure he's got to like you know, he's got to figure he's out got when HR the... stuff. He's got he's got yeah. labor issues. Yeah, you know, he's got a whole the, stuff. The owls were late delivering the food, so yeah. they got a whole problem. He has to fill yeah. he has to fill a 
fill out a grant request to the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, it's a lot of there's a lot of administrative stuff that J.K. Rowling really glossed over, which in hindsight pisses me off. I, I yeah, I mean, I would know more about you know what's the in-house lawyer's life of Hogwarts like. <laughs> what is that? I mean, guys, there's there's magic, and then there's just like really glossing over the important things. Yeah. Like the the mechanics. How, how do you think Hogwarts run, doesn't run on magic? It runs on bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. What is what is the hiring process? Who are exactly. they vetting? You know, do these teach these teachers are all like fifty thousand years old? Do they ever age out? I think Dumbledore is like two hundred. Yeah. How how does a young wizard ever work in if these these baby boomers who in yeah. the in the magic world is a generation that murdered a lot of babies? That's how they yeah. got that name. But yeah, the baby boomers won't step down. They're just hanging out. They buy up second properties. How is a young magic couple to start a new life together? Gentrification in the wizarding world is an overlooked issue. And I I only came on this podcast hoping it would be brought up. So thank you, Jesse. We're talking about the important things here. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Expelliarmus is bullshit. Who cares? It's not in the grand scheme of things. You can just hit someone. I want to expelliarmus the the muggles out of my neighborhood. I don't want them looking at my children. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah, I wonder if muggles do drive property value down. I don't know. I feel like wizards are very. Uh, they all have like their own insulated neighborhoods. So I don't even know if they. They're a little bit like Hasidic Jews. They wear funny hats. Yeah, keep to themselves mostly. Yeah. I wonder. I want to know how they fit as a voting block, particularly in like the UK. Like, are they, are they conservative? Do they vote Labour? Were they Ma- Margaret Thatcher people? Probably. All we Probably. all, all, all we know based for on JK Rowling, based on JK Rowling's personality. All we know for certain is they definitely decided uh, we need to get rid of that. Uh, half-blood princess diana before she spills all the secrets yeah you're right it was the wizarding community actually i mean when you think about it like oh they were in in a car being chased by paparazzis on motorcycles taking photographs like yeah you know what else causes big flashes magic yeah no you're not wrong voldemort i'm here to start the hashtag voldemort killed die (laughs) okay um yeah Harry and his friends rush to Dumbledore to tell him this news, but they run to McGonagall, who informs them that Dumbledore has been called off to London by the Ministry of Magic. Harry convinces Hermione and Ron they need to grab the stone that night. As they are heading out, Neville tries to stop them. Hermione immobilizes mm. him with a spell, and they proceed. Poor fucking Neville. Yeah. He's just, he's just so mean, much of a pain in the ass, you're not even rooting for him yet. Yeah, yet. And have you, you haven't seen any of the movies, right? Uh, I saw like two of them in the, I think I saw, what, what did I say? I saw Goblet of Fire and Half-Blood Prince, but I okay. don't remember, I don't remember anything about the plot of Half-Blood Prince. Okay. Well, cause I think if I recall, he gets like hot. So like he starts off like the actor, he's like a dorky mm-hmm. kid. And then he gets like, he gets like a hot, he's a hot dude now. Dude, that must be so tricky. Like hiring kids for like long-term roles when you have no idea what they're I, I understand why they go for like cherubic children with kidney issues like you yeah, know yeah. gary uh what's his name uh. <laughs> it's like gary shanley i want to say you, you, what you talking about that gary gary oh, coleman yeah 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 gary coleman and emmanuel lewis and those creepy the only ones i will say is like somebody had a good bead on the olsen twins because they were fucking goblin looking as children and then they like go look at like high standards for like three-year-olds yes hold on (laughs) hold on hold on they're just like cute little kids (laughs) no they weren't cute they looked like troll dolls they look like goblins now as adults they don't look healthy (laughs) no they do not look healthy even in the i i honestly think uh, my conspiracy theory is they uh, morphed into one, and now that is Elizabeth Olsen. Mm, gotcha. You never see them all in the same place at once. I'm going to share screen just for this okay. shit. Look at these troll dolls. They like, uh, no, they look like little... No little kid is, like, objectively... One, I, one, I want to be very clear. I'm just talking about, like, 
little kids and and how they look i'm not well, we're not talking like, about hot children here. yeah we're not talking about hot kids i'm just talking about what well, i don't think any small kid is like a good looking kid all mm-hmm. kids look weird until they're like 12 but even then they look weird too no yeah. one looks normal until they're like 19 i think yeah i mean god i think the one they look like witches we can criticize them now because they do look like witches on meth. You're right. Yeah. But- well, not only that, it's also weird. Just like I, I feel like didn't they like both marry like dudes in their sixties or something like that? Like there's if there is an Illuminati, the Olsen twins are in it and directly profiting from it. Yeah, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. I don't uh, know. I haven't kept up with the. I just uh, know they like stop acting and then did like fashion mm-hmm. shit. That's the last thing I heard. I mean, hey, you want to talk QAnon? You want to talk Adrenochrome? Remember the song Brother for Sale, 25 cents? Well, yeah. there, there you have it. They were selling him for harvest. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, when they reach Fluffy, Harry, Hermione, and Ron notice a heart by his feet and realize someone has already passed him. Harry plays a flute he has brought, putting Fluffy to sleep and allowing his gang to go through the trap door. They land on some sort of plant with twisting tendrils that wrap around Harry and Ron. Hermione gets out immediately and uses fire from her wand to stave off the plant. Next, they encounter a large, large, large locked room in a room full of large locked door in a room full of birds. There we go. That are actually keys. Harry uses his Quidditch skills to catch the right bird and unlock the door. They then must play a violent game of chess in which each of them is a chess piece. Ron massively leads them through the game, but he must allow himself to be captured and severely beaten, which, of course, is an allegory for he, he got raped by a rook. Yeah, um, that's... that's <laughs> by, the, by the opposing queen to win. Harry and Hermione then come upon a series of potions and a logic puzzle. Hermione figures out which potions to drink and then goes back to help Ron and Harry move forward to find the stone. Oh, wait, I want to get to the page because I think Hermione said, and this is, it was at this moment where I was like, it made me really dislike British people because of what Hermione said. She goes, Harry goes, I'm not as good as you. And then she goes, me, books and cleverness, there are more important things, friendship and bravery. Oh, Harry, be careful. I was like, fuck British people. That's so annoying. Stop, you know, ham-fisting fucking life lessons <laughs> into these mouths of children like this is yeah, fucking yeah. Like, no like, one's this smart like yeah yeah that you're, i read you're that a wizard than me you do you did yeah and i was like british people are awful it's not even hermione i'm more mad at jk rowling for <laughs> for trying to make like an 11 year because i think they're supposed to be like 11 or 12 in this yeah like just trying to make them these like wise philosophical people that can you know see the important things in life that's what i love when art showcases little kids as just being like shitty stupid oh yeah 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 me me and my wife are talking about having kids right now and i've just had to think about it a lot and i have had the thought of like i probably won't like this kid for like eight years yeah you'll like it when it's born yeah it'll it'll be cute imagine it'll turn five and you'll be like kids being a little bit of a cunt yeah, and like, then you, you, until you, you, it's you, like eighteen, you'll be like, oh, "I'm proud of you for whatever you did in the past thirteen yeah. years." I was barely paying attention. I, I'm I'm comedy. genetically proud of you. I want you to know these are my cells talking, an instinct, and a million years of evolution. I don't have yeah. a choice in this matter, but I'm proud of you for whatever the fuck that's worth. God, your kid's gonna be an open mic comedian. He's gonna follow in your footsteps. Oh, <laughs> if I, you I, say I, shit like that, I'm I'm genetically proud of you. <laughs> I I have straight up told my wife like oh yeah no i will bring the kid to open mics i don't care i will just fucking plop him in whatever whatever girl open micer has been doing it for six months like yeah yeah, what what, watch this kid i gotta go on stage and talk about how i can't stand his mother um yeah (laughs) by the way if you're listening to this and you have never seen live stand-up like i'm not even talking your local comedy club go to a fucking open mic because god people I've seen so many people, particularly reading like online on Reddit, like, well, not only Reddit, but like Facebook, uh, after all the quarantine stuff, there were a lot of comics who just started in like the zoom open mics. Yeah. So they have no idea how to talk to people in front of them. 
Right. And not to like getting upset. It's like, are the Zoom open mics going to be coming back now that the numbers are going up? And they like try to defend it as like its own legitimate art form. Like now yeah. it's you're you're yeah. on you're on training wheels. Yeah, for sure. Go to an open yeah. mic and watch a fucking 24 year old doing their best with no skills and yeah. learn something about life. Yeah. <laughs> um we have a quote here that's going to come up from Dumbledore. This popped up on my summary. Uh, is after this all, in chapter seventeen, after they chapter seventeen. They this is this is actually jump, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but the line okay. is going to be: "After all, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure." Oh yeah, I, I yeah, that's a uh, I don't know, that's stupid. Man, I'd like to believe that horse shit. That would be yeah. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> pretty. You're an atheist, right? I can say God's dumb to you and you won't hit me, right? It's it's the Kill Your Gods podcast. I cool. think it's safe to say. I'm not I'm I am a begrudging atheist. I would the thought of nothing terrifies me, but I see no evidence of anything else. Oh, see, I find peace in that. No, I literally I, I feel like the best uh, are you a fan of Bojack Horseman at all? Yeah, that's a bummer of a show. Yes, it is. That <laughs> second to last episode, which should have been the last episode. Yeah, no, I that, agree. That image of the black consuming and dissolving them. Mm. That's like, ooh, that's a pretty good representation and also uh, terrifying. Yeah, uh, no, I always, not to be too serious on a Saturday morning, but I, uh, I don't know. I find it comforting thinking that, oh, well, there was a whole bunch of time that I wasn't around for and it'll be just like that. No, I, I wish I was there for that, too. Yeah. Oh, I want to be, be here for all of it. Oh, but, okay. Oh, so well. the second they find, like, an immortal pill, you're like, I will sell everything to have it. Yes. Oh, 100%. Damn. All right. That sounds miserable. <laughs> yeah, guess what? More immortality for me. Have fun feeding no, no, the worms. You, you have it, dude. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Um. Harry lies, telling Quirrell... Oh, okay. God, this totally just skips a little bit. This is what I get for copy and pasting. Uh, oh, no, that's fine. But, I mean, we can just get... Because he, he sees Quirrell, and then Quirrell's like, that's right, I'm not Snape. What up, fuckface? I just did Rob Cruz there. That was my best <laughs> Rob Cruz impression. Shout out Rob Cruz. I love that guy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so... yeah, so, yeah they, 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 they see Quirrell there. Um, Harry gets the stone... <laughs> But uh, Quirrell doesn't know he has it. Uh, Harry, yeah. Yeah, Harry lies telling. Qu oh, yeah. So Quirrell puts him in front of the mirror. That's right. They're trying to figure out from the. Now I remember. So yeah. they're trying to put him in front of the mirror so they can be like, tell me where the stone is. And the mirror sensing Harry is doing this magically puts the stone in his pocket. Yeah. Uh, Harry lies telling Quirrell that he sees himself in the mirror winning the house cup for Gryffindor. Voldemort, we can hear Voldemort's voice somewhere, tells Quirrell that Harry is lying. Yeah. Wishing to speak to him directly, Voldemort tells Quirrell to unwrap his turban. Harry is shocked to find Voldemort's face on the back of Quirrell's head. Voldemort is a shapeshifter who has been using Quirrell's body and his face is visible at the back of his head. Can yeah. you imagine being a child in the UK and just like <laughs> Sikhs and... Uh, Turban wearing people must have gotten some hard looks from English children for a good decade there. Yeah, there was there was probably some like his fucking is the is the mean wizard behind there, mommy. <laughs> yeah, like that had to be tough. Yeah, not Mickey Rowling was probably like, this is what I wanted. I <laughs> see. You know what's funny when, when it comes to like jingoism and like uh, really xenophobic, not trusting other people. There has been a lot of depictions of them as wearing turbans. Anytime there's a problem with foreigners, it's not the turban people. Yeah. You remember after 9-11, yeah. there was a lot of harassment of Sikhs. Like, Sikhs hate those fucking guys. They're yeah. on your side. They have a dagger on them at all times. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, you're... Yeah, I, that, that, I didn't think about that before, but you're 100% right. It's never, it's never any Sikhs or anything. Yeah. Hmm. At first, I said nothing because I was not one of the turban people. Actually, mm. my, my, my brother Kenny had a, a Sikh friend at school, but mm. God, he would have been expelled nowadays. But uh, he once made the Sikh kid cry by like snatching off his turban. 
Sheesh. But th- he was six. They don't know. They don't know. Oh, these yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that would be a definite expulsion and a lot of uh, a very in-depth history lesson for a six-year-old that could not appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Voldemort tries to persuade Harry to give him the stone, which he knows is in Harry's pocket. He tells Harry to join him rather than resist and be killed like his parents. I, again, it's like I've also I've, I, I killed your parents, but like if you just do what I say now, I mean we'll be we'll be fine. Come on, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Harry refuses Voldemort and orders Quirrell to seize Harry. Quirrell tries, but each time he grabs for Harry, his hands blister as if burned. Harry grabs Quirrell, putting him in tremendous pain. Meanwhile, the pain in Harry's forehead scar is steadily increasing. As the struggle intensifies, Harry feels himself losing hold of Quirrell and falling. Yeah, this is kind of a cop. They're really doing their best to write how a fucking 11-year-old somehow saved the day. Yeah. Uh, When Harry regains consciousness, Dumbledore is standing over him. Harry starts telling Dumbledore that Quirrell has the stone, but Dumbledore tells him to chill. Harry really realizes that <laughs> Yo, he's Harry, chill, 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 dude, chill. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, no, nah, it ain't even nothing, man. We took I, you're good, dude. You're fine. You're driven, man. I mean. boy. <laughs> he asks Dumbledore again about the stone, and Dumbledore tells him that he just arrived in time to save Harry from Quirrell. Dumbledore adds that he spoke with Nicholas Flamel, and they decided to destroy the stone. He explains also that Quirrell could not touch Harry because Harry was protected by his mother's love. Convenient. Yeah, Gross. I don't. I don't like this. And yeah, covered with your mother's love. That sounds yeah. like uh, sounds like a porn video I watched accidentally <laughs> once. Five times. <laughs> Harry, no! Don't cover your. I'm your mother. Don't cover me with your love. Yeah. Thin. Um, ew! It's too early for incest. <laughs> Dumbledore also reveals that it was Harry, wait, that it was he who left the invisibility cloak for Harry and explains that there was enmity between Snape and Harry's father, much like the enmity between Malfoy and Harry. Furthermore, Dumbledore explains how Harry ended up with the stone. He was the only one who wanted to find the stone for itself rather than the power he could gain from it. So there's some stuff here. Like Harry's initially like, wait, Nicholas Flamel agreed to just die if he gives up the Sorcerer's Stone. But mm-hmm. that's where we get the line. Like, oh, well, it's just the next adventure. But I also think it was funny that they kind of, uh, they that she put in like, well, I mean, there's, they him and his wife have enough elixir to figure out their will and get their affairs in order. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, who gives a shit? Like you're going to live, yeah. You're going to live for 900 years and be like, oh, an 11 year old was in danger for a second. Yeah, I'll give all this up. Yeah. Well, not even that. Just the idea that, like, just the idea that, like, because they he wrote like, well, they have enough elixir, they'll stay alive, they'll be able to settle their will. It's like, why is that part necessary? Right. And what is that will? You know, I bequeath this. Please leave me in a painting forever. Yeah. I still, I, I talked about this in the last episode. The fact that they celebrate Christmas, I am very curious what like the religious epistemology is of this word. Oh, I mean, I guess Jesus was a wizard, right? Yeah, but like, you Jesus... just got finished reading all of the Bible. Doesn't does, does he play Quidditch? That's right. There is so that that's the thing that that's the Da Vinci Code is that uh, Jesus the cross is supposed to symbol actually the broom which he. He yeah. rode away to heaven yeah. and was seated at the right hand of the father where he held the golden snitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was 30 points to humanity and sin was forgiven. <laughs> 30 points to humanity. <laughs> um, yeah. Harry gets out of his hospital bed to go to the end of year feast. Oh, but all right. So we also, get th- so we realize Snape isn't quite the bad guy. Yeah. Um, I know they just- tease that the whole time, which again, for a little kid, must be fucking mind blowing. Like, but he has greasy oh, hair yeah. and he's mean. What do you mean? Yeah. Is that blowing my fucking mind, J.K.? Yeah, I don't quite remember my reaction to this, but I'm sure I did have like a you know a, a black guy sees magic reaction. You ever see those videos? Wait, what was it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> inner inner city magic where they. Yeah, yeah. That's still. I'm that's... sure I had. I'm sure that's the exact reaction I had yeah. when I read that it wasn't Snape. <laughs> That's still one of the best jokes in uh, the movie Boogie Nights, where um, 
the one character played by John C. Riley is like really into magic and he's showing yeah. Don Cheadle's character a card trick. Oh, and Don yeah. Cheadle's like really like, that's impressive, man. But like, don't you worry about like dabbling in the dark arts? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, no, it's like it's, it's like sleight of hand. Like, yeah, but like, don't you worry about like your eternal soul? <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, uh, I would love to be one of those people that still lives. Uh, whoa, okay. The fact that we were just talking about black people and magic, I did not mean those people. But I, I was gonna say one of those people. I knew what you meant. With someone who, who still is like, I want, be, I want to be believe. Fun. It would be fun to have, like, when it comes to, like, what magic is, like, it would be fun to be, like, a six-year-old and be, like, there's no fucking way you did that unless you're a wizard. Like, have that kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. Like, Neil Wood does magic. He used to do magic for my nephew before he got taken away by the state. And he was uh, blown the fuck away by it. Just that, that yeah. little like fucking marker marker out the ear. Yeah. Well, now like every time I see a video, I'm just like, all right, let me. I usually can't figure it out, but I'm like, I'm watch. I'm not watching the trick itself. I'm watching. Well, like I watch the trick itself, and then I watch like, all right, where could that thing have possibly come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, there's no like allure to it to me. It's just like I, it's a puzzle that I want to figure out. You ever watch clips of Penn and Teller's Fool Us? Oh yeah, I used to actually love that show. Yeah. Dude, that is my favorite thing on YouTube is yeah. just like watching what they can and the fact that you have the benefit of rewinding, like you can catch the things that they did. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody my favorite thing Fool was Us. there was a there were a couple uh not whole episodes, but like a couple tricks on that where I think I think they guessed it right, but the people or the guy or whoever on stage was like, "Well, I could have done it that way, but this is like I actually did it this way." And, you know, they speak in like coded language, and I uh -huh. actually, but like you see, like Penn and Teller both be like, "You definitely did it the way we said it, but we can't prove you didn't do it that other way." So fuck. <laughs> so yeah, you know what's funny? I first heard of uh, this is on a tangent, but it's about magic, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> I first heard about that show, weirdly enough, 2012, uh, I had a New Year's party. And at this New Year's party, a friend who I wasn't aware was a junkie at the time, stole mine and my girlfriend's iPods. So okay. this is pre-smartphone era. So I ended up listening to, because uh, my job at the time was driving, I ended up listening to a lot of NPR. Mm -hmm. And I first heard of Fool Us when Penn Gillette was on like Terry Gross or something uh, promoting the show. And they talk about that, like, well, what do you do if somebody's lying? He said, he's like, okay, well, we had this one magician on. It didn't make air, at, but we saw it and we knew very clearly, like, this has to be a double. This guy has to have a twin. It just, that yeah. has to be it. And yeah. we kind of gave that hint. And the guy on stage was like, nope, that's not it at all. And we literally, like, this went on for 20 minutes. And we were literally like, all right, turn the fucking cameras off. Where is the first guy? And the first guy came out of like the wings of just like, please don't put this on TV. He's like, yeah. you got to get your fucking brother on board. He almost fucked this whole thing up for you. And then they just never aired it. Damn. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> it's a, Hey, I, I think I love wrestling and magic for the same reason. I like not knowing what is and isn't real. You know, that's fair. Except none of wrestling's real. I mean, like the stunts are, but <laughs> right. But you know, when they like work in work in like real life shit oh, okay. here and there, like uh, yeah, I uh, well, yeah. My my roommate and and our friend uh, played me. I guess uh, CM Punk's um, pro last promo at the WWE. The pipe bomb. Where, uh, the thing where he said uh, the world will be better when Vince McMahon dies yep. and no one was That's like right. sure if that was like scripted or if he's like actually meant that. Right. Well, it, when it, it was so mind blowing, this was called the pipe bomb promo. This was, this uh, was okay. basically CM Punk single-handedly got WWE the first mainstream attention since the rock had been there. And then WWE yeah. proceeded to piss it down its leg. Cause like, well, that guy is not big and muscular enough. Yeah. But the fact that he came out on T and he wasn't talking like storyline, like, you know, I'm mad at you because you cost me the belt. He was like, this company is shit. And Vince yeah. McMahon, I, like, I want to tell all of Vince McMahon's shareholders that you are in business with an evil fucking man. And this yeah. company is going to be so much better once he's dead. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, it, it wasn't so much like, like, ooh, did he? He obviously had permission to say that. It was the fact that he was bringing so much of that real life. Oh, yeah. Shit.
Like yeah. WWE has had legitimate lawsuits about like, you know, hazing and harassment and improper treatment of employees. And yeah. he was bringing that shit up in that yeah. promo. Yeah. So I don't know. Everybody go watch wrestling. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Dumbledore gave, uh, gave all the points back to Gryffindor. Cause Oh yeah. Yeah. Bravery we'll get that. and shit. Oh, yeah. the, the one thing I'll say is I really thought it didn't make sense to me that Dumbledore gave him the invisibility cloak. It's I, I honestly thought that was going to reveal to be like, Quirrell had given him that as like knowing that he would find his way down there. Like it doesn't really make sense for Dumbledore to give him that. Yeah, it's because it's Dumbledore going, Oh, well, you know, I thought you would try. So instead of, you know, sternly telling you not to and making sure you don't try and handling it myself, I'm gonna let an eleven year old die. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have a I have a hunch this might be magic Jesus. Let's just throw him out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if we lose if a redhead gets sexually assaulted on a chessboard, like yeah. you know. You got to break a couple legs to make an omelet. Yeah, we can lose a few 11-year-olds. We can't lose Dumbledore. No. <laughs> so that's what they don't real they don't show you in this universe is the reason there are 20,000-year-old fucking wizards lying around. They are standing on the bones of tweens. <laughs> yeah. You just <laughs> never make it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, Harry gets out of his hospital bed to go to the end of your feast. The dining hall is decorated in Slytherin colors to celebrate Slytherin's seventh consecutive win of the championship cup. Dumbledore rises to speak and announces in light of current events, more points need to be given out. He gives Ron and Hermione 50 points each and Harry 60 points for their feats in getting to the stone. Gryffindor thus pulls into a tie with Slytherin. Dumbledore then adds that Neville has been awarded 10 points for learning bravery. Gryffindor (laughs) pulls ahead into first place, thus winning the house cup. Yo, even if you're against Slytherin, that is some horse. Yeah, shit. yeah, that's some. Um, the The refs are the refs have money involved in the game, and they're yeah, they're not calling Rigged, the right calls. Point shaving. I mean, could you imagine if like the fucking Super Bowl? There's three seconds left, and the ref just comes out on the field like, actually, Tom Brady showed a lot of moxie. I'm giving him 35 <laughs> points. Yeah, Tampa Bay wins another. Yeah. You think that's what he had to go to the Ministry of Magic for, for you to appear before a grand jury about point shaving and, and uh, corrupt practices and the, the house cup thing? Yeah, he had to appear before the Magic NCAA. The Magic Grand Jury, yeah. The, the, the NCAA Q of, of, Quidditch, of Quidditch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's in he's in deep with the <laughs> he's in deep yeah. with the centaurs. He just needed to pull a few things here and there. Nicholas Flamel was involved. That's why he was like, I'm going to die so I don't get caught up in this. Like, That's right. And Nicholas Flamel is pulling like an R. Bud Dwyer. He's just going <laughs> to put a wand in his mouth on live TV. <laughs> yeah. uh, when school... be some wizard band that makes that their cover in a couple years. <laughs> hey, man. Nice, nice crucitus. Um, yeah. Deep guts. When school grades finally arrive, Harry and Ron do well, and Hermione is at the top of the class. They all pack and head to the train station to go back to their homes. Harry, Hermione, and Ron say their goodbyes for the summer, and Harry heads home, eager to use a little magic on Dudley Dursley to do the thing he's been explicitly told not to do. Yeah, yeah. The the muggles don't know, but, like, they can track your magic. I don't think that comes out in this book, but they No, they, no, they, they, they mentioned something of the sort because it's the reason Hagrid is not a wizard. Oh, okay. But yeah, they can track your magic, even if you, even if, you know, people don't know you're allowed, you're not allowed to use it. The, you know, big brother wizard knows. Yeah. So where, where does this book rank for you in like the books overall, as far as just like quality? Obviously, this this is the most children's book of them. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think the first two are, are pretty, uh, pretty children-y. And then... I, th- I think the third one's the best, The Prisoner of Azkaban, because that's when it starts to get a little more evil. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this is probably the worst of mm. the seven, seven, eight. Are there eight or seven? You, you, seven. you tell me. I'm reading these for the first All time. All right. The seven or eight of them, whatever. But the first one's, I think, the worst. All yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's currently one out of one. For me both the best and the worst i mean yeah it's fine it was again i'm hoping as these books get longer because i still intend to do like 
month long entries for each one. I'm I'm hoping it gets more like uh, oh, yeah, they get these, progressively these get... longer. They they I do remember that they get progressively longer as um as they go up. I think like the last one is the longest read. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, yeah. I'll be sure to uh, have you on for one of those. Right. Yeah. I'm well. I'm well aware this was going to be a, a marathon rather than a sprint. But, yeah. Uh, you gotta you gotta start on the first one. You know. You gotta start on the first one, and you gotta remember that. Um, I don't know. Centaurs suck. Hashtag centaurs suck, and uh, whatever the other thing I said about Voldemort an hour ago. <laughs> uh, all right. So what we've learned today is uh, centaurs are sexual abusers. Yeah, Voldemort. Yeah. Although we don't really learn that until the fourth book, hmm. or fourth, yeah, fourth, I think. Yeah, okay. uh, we learned that wizards killed Princess Di. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, Voldemort killed uh, Diana. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we learned that Hogwarts has just tons of dead preteens all over the grounds. All over the grounds. Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> And Jesse's scared of death. We learned that. I didn't know that about you. If they've ever listened to this podcast, you know Jesse is scared of death. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I say as I look into my own face in the Zoom call and notice, yeah. like, ooh, those bags are getting kind of big under the eyes. Nah, you're you're fine. You're healthy. I think. I'm fine. I got another five, six years. Yeah, that's all Nothing. you need. <laughs> all right, Dan, remind us again where we can find you. Anything you got coming up? Cool. Yeah. Well, like I said, if, if you're in Texas, I'll be in Austin, Texas at the Kickbutt Comedy Cafe for the Altercation Comedy Festival, October 27th through the 30th or 31st, I think. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Tall Dinklage. And really, that's the only thing that's worth following me on my Twitter's where my, right. my Twitter's where ideas go to die. <laughs> All right. So go have a spooky rootin' tootin' time with Dan Clark in Texas. October 27th to 30th. That, yep. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, dude. Thanks for doing this. This was, uh, cool. this was a fun one, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop recording. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Wait, where is it? I can't find. Okay, fuck you guys.